Have you ever felt frustrated because you just couldn't find a lovely book to read? I can start to crave not just a good book, but a book that draws me in and evokes such a deep emotion that I can say, wow, that was a lovely book. Welcome friends. This is Emmy B on Lovely Books Podcast, where it's my job to highlight the lovely books that keep you reading and connect you to the world. If you're new to Lovely Books, this podcast is more than just a best books podcast. It's about the reader's experience and takeaway. No book reviews, no analysis of literary content, just thoughts and personal anecdotes brought to our minds by the characters and subject matter that we love. That's what brings the book to life for you. I hope we give you something to think about, something to laugh about, and something lovely to read. In this episode, Bookstagrammer Kayla Turner will highlight the book The Black Kids by Christina Hammonds-Reed. Kayla, thank you so much for joining me today. I've been following Kayla since I joined the Bookstagram community about six months ago. Um, Your Bookstagram is really fun. I love your reels. Thank you. Your reels are so good. They're so fun. Um, And she's got great taste in books. So before we dive into the book that she's talking about today, Kayla, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Absolutely. Um, First, Emily, thank you for having me here. I'm so excited to be here. I currently reside in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I work as a higher education professional, particularly in campus housing. Um, My undergrad was from the University of Pittsburgh, where I studied humanities. Specifically, I focused on English lit, writing, Africana studies. Um, And then I was also a dance minor. So I was very focused on the the arts whenever I was in uh, my undergrad experience. (laughs) I then went on to uh, Indiana University, where I earned my master's degree in student affairs and higher ed. So aside from reading and writing, um, which I'm sure you all know are some of my my passion areas, I really enjoy um, hula hooping, um, binging shows on Netflix. Typically, my go-to was like a a dark crime international show. Um, So on any given day, you can probably find me um, binging a show like that. I like it. Well, I'm excited about this book today. I'm particularly excited about the time that it was written in. Um, I'm a 90s baby, so um, (laughs) there was a lot of really cool pop culture in the book. That was fun for me to read and kind of reflect on. Um, Lots of music, uh, musical references that were fun. Um, But before we um, talk about the story, can you give us a brief synopsis about what it's about? Sure. Um, so your main character here is is Ashley Bennett. She lives in Southern California in Los Angeles, and she's a high school a high school student who is attending a mostly white private school. Um, the black kids who are there at that school are, are on scholarship, um, but she doesn't really associate with them. She doesn't really know them personally, um, and so we kind of start off the book with her her biggest issue, if you will, or biggest challenge is whether she's going to ditch school or she's going to hang out or she's going to go to school um, and then whether they're going to hang out um, at the beach or if they're going to hang out at the pool. Um, And she really embarks on this journey as riots begin in Los Angeles. And um, it's a it's a, a result of the the Rodney King incident. Um, and so that, that video was out. Um, and so there are lots of protests or lots of riots that are happening. And she finds herself on this journey where she's really questioning, you know, what does it, what does it mean to, 
be black, um, but also be economically privileged. Um, and so she goes on this journey of finding who her real friends are and really who she is. Yeah, I mean, it's such a great story. And it's, there's so many different pieces. One thing that really stood out to me um, from the very beginning is the idea of um, the fact that she does grow up privileged. What are your thoughts right. on that? I think that even then, even people across the the social status um, and, if you will, class right lines, um, there are still those pieces of common ground. And they talk about um, this, they use the word shelter, right? Some things that she can be sheltered from, but then there are other things that she can't be sheltered from. And when, you know, the, the protests and the riots break out in, in L.A., that's one of the things that she can't be sheltered from. Yeah. And it's interesting. So will you talk for a second about like what her initial reaction is to the riots and then kind of like how that develops? Sure. Um, from from my perspective, it's kind of like, oh, you know, like there's this thing happening. It's on TV um, and it's really not that important. Right. Not that significant. It doesn't mean anything to her because it's not in her mind. It's not it's not touching her where she lives. Um, it's not directly impacting her. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about her sister, Joe, um, in this in this book is right. Joe is kind of like her. If you I kind of think about Joe is kind of like a kaleidoscope. Right. Like she's yeah. Providing her all of these these different perspectives, um, and and Joe is outright living her life and and, and protesting and, and doing the things, and she's willing to put herself in and and pay the price um, for for all of this, and so um, she is not concerned at all. And as she goes through, right, she begins to see a little bit more of like, okay there's definitely something here. And I think that like, as, as that is unwinding in the greater city, there's also some things that are unwinding in her own family life that she didn't know about. And I think that those two parallels are are super interesting. And so she's working her way to like, okay, I didn't really, you know, um, care, or I didn't really know about grandma Shirley's story before. Right. And that's something that's Mm -hmm. coming a little bit more to the forefront. And so now she's seeing that a lot of these issues are closer than she might've originally thought, right. She's not far from racism. Sure. She can be economically privileged. However, at the same time, um, she is, she is still a black woman. She's still a black girl at the end of the day. And so those things are, are going to, they're going to impact her um, in a way that she either foresees or doesn't foresee it's going to come either way. Yeah, I I loved that dynamic. And I love the description that you just gave of that as this sort of kaleidoscope between her and her sister. Mm -hmm. Um, Because on the one hand, she is very much living her privileged life. And she's, you know, um, teenagers are so egocentric. And I think it's really easy to just be so caught up in like your own social status that you don't see a lot of um, the world Mm -hmm. happening around you. But by a major contrast, her sister is having the opposite experience where she's like digging deep into like the social, um, the, the different things that are happening socially and the things that are happening based on her race. But the interesting thing for me um, is that her husband, her boyfriend and her husband is white. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of gave her sort of this interesting to dynamic where she's, she's so, um, I don't know, she's searching for her culture because she's not finding it in her family. Did you get that vibe? I did get that vibe. I think that Joe, while very, I would say very mature, um, mm-hmm. 
is still trying to figure out who she is and what her place is in the world. And I think that that's why she's willing to pay such a high price. Um, that's why she's willing to, you know, go to jail. That could be a high price for some people um, yeah. because she's like, I'm, I think that this is going to be the way, this is going to be the road that leads me to what my purpose is, what my destiny is. Um, but I also don't think that like at the same time that she's willing to, to settle, if that makes sense. Right. So she's willing yeah. to pay this high price, but she's not going to just settle for anything. It's like, if I'm paying this high price, then I'm going to get what it is that I'm, that I'm searching for. Um, and so I think that she was, again, just a great contrast and balance to, to Ashley, who's kind of like, yeah, you know, like, whatever, I'm going to graduate, I'm going to go to my dream school, yeah. all of these things. And right, that's not even really, you know, Joe is, it's a secret um, between her and, <laughs> and Ashley, but like, yeah. she told her parents, I was like, hey, Joe's not in school anymore, right? And so I think yeah. that that's another I guess, if you will, another price that she has paid, right? That's something that she's willing to put on the line to figure out who she is and what she wants. Do you feel like her parents, so um, I like the opening of this book where um, how people come to the door when they first move into the neighborhood and they're like, oh, where are the owners of the house? Mm -hmm. Um, Because people are surprised that this um, African-American couple owns this big, beautiful house. I'm assuming they're in like a really gorgeous neighborhood and like a big home. And from the perspective of her parents, like, where do you think her parents sat mentally in terms of all this? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. And it's funny that you asked that question because as I was reading this, I felt very conflicted um, and I felt lots of different ways about her parents, right? Like on on some ends, I was like, okay, yeah, like I can I can see that. Um, and I would say that even her 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 mother and her father were seemed to be on different pages as well. Yeah. Um, I would say that he, if I had to put if I had to if I had to put them on a spectrum, um, he was maybe um, a little bit more willing to not shelter her as much, whereas the mother, I think, was more inclined to to do that sheltering. Um, but then it kind of feels like the roles reverse again, right? Because then we mm-hmm. find out that like dad hasn't dad hasn't told me the story about Grandma Shirley, right, in her childhood, right, and so then he is confronted by his brother, who's like, "I'm going to tell them if you're not going to tell them," and so. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. They were very complex characters. And I think that that speaks to that. You can't just pinpoint <laughs> anyone, right. right. And be like, this is where you are. This is where you stand. I think that they kind of shift in and change. I don't, and I don't mean like in a, um, like in a moving or progression type of way. But I think that like, they're kind of like a roller coaster for me throughout throughout the book. Sometimes I can identify with them, but then other times I'm like, mm, I probably would have done something differently. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of maybe like a human trait. I think sometimes we find ourselves in those situations where like, wait a second, I thought I was going to do this. And then maybe I don't really want to do that. Like maybe, maybe I was really vying for this, but now I can like, we change, you know what I mean? So, and we flip flop a little bit as people, as we're, you know, developing and situationally and seeing what's happening. But um, yeah, the parents were really interesting to me because I couldn't peg them for either kid. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) True. I couldn't be like, Joe totally gets this from whoever and Ashley totally gets this from whoever, you know? So I thought that was a really cool dynamic. Um, So this, the main event that this book centers around is the Rodney King incident and the riots and stuff like that. So in terms of this story, like, what do you think the lesson is for that? I mean, it's so timely. I don't know when she started writing this book, but to have it come out this year, Mm -hmm. you know, in the midst of all of the 
you know, cultural disarray that we've been experiencing and Black Lives Matter, this is like perfect. I mean, how does that kind of play into the story? And what are your thoughts on that? Sure. Yeah, I think that like, so I read this at the end of the summer, right? And so okay. this was this was after Ahmaud Arbery. This was after Breonna Taylor, after George Floyd. And so I think that like a lot of those things were swirling around in my mind. And I think the one thing that, not the, not the only thing, but I think at the top of my list of the things that right have really um, been a thread for me and I could say is like a, a lesson, if you will, yeah. um, is it's three words, right? Know your history. I think that that is so important. This is something that I tell my students all of the time, right? Especially my students who, who want to make change and yeah. they want to be they want to be activists. You have to know your history because if you don't that. know your history, it's, it, it's challenging to know the systems in which you operate. Um, and so I think that like the, this is it. And so when I, I say that and I, t- I think about that in terms of... Um, the mention of Latasha Harlins, right? And so a lot of people think that this response from the Black community in LA and around the world was was only about Rodney King when just mm-hmm. the year before you had a 15-year-old Black girl who, who was killed um, and shot in the, in the back of the head. And so there was still the reeling anger, right, that, that comes from that. Um, and I, you see, I have that, that part here saved. Because I think that 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 quote is so was so powerful, and it really made me think. Like I had heard of the name um, Latasha Harlins, however, mm-hmm. I don't think that I looked as deeply into it as I did after reading this. Yeah. And it says right that um, this is on uh, page one twenty two. But everyone thinks the riots are only about Rodney, but they're not. Joe was right about that. They're also about Latasha Harlins. Latasha was a black girl my age in Los Angeles. Latasha was black. Latasha was a girl. Latasha was my age. She went into a liquor store to buy orange juice and the Korean woman at the counter thought she was stealing. She wasn't. They got into a fight. And as Latasha tried to walk away, the woman at the counter shot her in the back of the head over orange juice. And I think that that part is just so is so powerful um, because not many, I don't think right now, this is 1992. I was one year old. But okay. I grew up with this, right, of like hearing about these things. Um, and so, right, thinking that this is only about one thing, but then seeing that there's there's a trail that leads up to this. Yeah, so I was a teenager um, during the Rodney King. And it's, it's interesting. I always think of this um, like memory in terms of emotion, because I know that when like you have an emotional response to something, it like sets it in your memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and those are the things that you remember, things that elicit an emotional response. And um, I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. Salt Lake City is not diverse. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of like how I experienced the Rodney King, like I, mm-hmm. I feel like when I read about the history of it, I'm reading about it for the first time. Like I wasn't even alive mm-hmm. um, because for what I was experiencing, like it did not become a visceral experience for me. I'm embarrassed to say that I think there are a lot of people who experienced Rodney King the same way I did. But what I like about what's happening this year is we have all of these own voices, literature that's coming mm-hmm. out. Um, and as an educator, as a, as an educator and as someone who studied Africana history, like what, what are your thoughts on, how do you think that's like changing the way kids see this? Do you think it's making a difference? So they're not going to be like me where these kind of things happen and they'll be like, Oh no, that's like not my world. Mm-hmm. I definitely think so. I think that with the, 
um, an increase, especially from from when I was a child, to seeing the type of um, own voices literature right that that is happening. It's a little it's it's taking place right in <laughs> in our time yeah, now. It's cool. It is, and you can tell right when something when someone is writing about their story um, that took place, you know, between 1960 and, and 19, you know, 1980, if you will. Um, which there's nothing wrong with that, right? Those stories are most definitely important, but there's something that hits differently when I'm reading a story about, um, you know, a black girl, or I'm reading a story about a black woman that is taking place. Like you can tell it is the 2000s, right? And we're hearing yeah. modern tales, um, and it's for me, it's it's a point of um, of re- relating, right? I can yeah. definitely relate um, to to things that were that were happening, you know, um, in the civil rights time. The things that maybe some people felt, um, or how they were treated, or things that were said to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like it's so much more impactful, at least for me, whenever I'm reading something that I can tell was written in in 2018, right? Or it's yeah. taking place in in today's time. And I think that that's so important for Black, Indigenous, and Latinx children to be able to see themselves represented in literature. Um, but then also, right, I don't I don't know if children are necessarily always thinking about who's writing a story. I, I remember yeah. being read to um, in fourth and fifth grade, and like, they would always say the author's name, right, whenever they would read to us. Mm. I don't know if I was thinking about it then, but I think that children know authenticity, right? And so- yeah. Um, they may not be able to spell it or, or or put a name to it, but they know authenticity. And so it's, you know, it's it's another thing whenever you're reading something that is actually written by a Black, Indigenous, or a Latinx author, as opposed yeah. to write someone else who's trying to fill in the gap um, really. for for those for those BIPOC characters. And so I look forward to seeing all of the own voices that that continues to come out. I've had a, a great time reading it this this year and making sure that, you know, is this own voices before I read it? Because um, that is yeah. important to me. I, that's not something that I had, um, you know, readily available as a kid. So did you, can you think, looking back on your like junior high and high school um, experience, can you, do you remember reading anything that was written by an African-American author or a BIPOC author? Um, I think the, uh, the couple books that come to mind that I remember reading, and these are ones that I specifically sought out, uh, at the library were the Watsons go to Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely remember that one. I definitely remember, I think it was, um, it's called Zeely. Um, oh. and, uh, Bud, not Buddy. Yeah. I did a podcast <laughs> on that. Did you listen to that? I well, it looks like I will have to. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting to see to see the change in what is available in terms of like own voices, and I I think it gives people an opportunity who um, like me are growing up in not a diverse community um, to have this like di- totally different path of empathy because we hear mm-hmm. about we hear about these things in history, but when you read about it and your point of view is from a character who's like experiences, experiencing something in an emotional way and you mm-hmm. start to like vibe for the character and you want them to learn and you want them to win, like you get attached to that experience in a way that you can't in a history book. Right. Is there a part of the book that like especially stood out to you when you read it that like you kept going back to or you kept like rethinking? 
Yeah, I think it, for me, it, it really goes back to these, what I call historical nuggets. I love when a book gives me something that I didn't know actually took place in history, right? And they place yeah. it somewhere within, somewhere within their plot, right? Somewhere within their happenings. Um, and you're like, wait a minute let me, I got to look this up. Right. And so you, you have Google yeah. readily available and looking it up. And so I think that that were, those were the things that stood out to me. Um, definitely the one with Latasha Harlins, but then also yeah. the other one with um, the Los Angeles uh, police chief, Daryl Gates and right. His, his quote um, about the biological differences of, of black people um, whenever they're in like an, in a chokehold. And I, I have to be honest with you, when I first read that, I'm like, there's no way that this can be true. Lo and behold, I go, I search, you know. The, oh my the, gosh. I That's wild. The <laughs> I totally <laughs> thought that was fiction. <laughs> and he actually said this. And I was like, oh my goodness, this was real. I found the article um, as it was written back in 1992. And like, oh, yeah, that's you know, wild. They just say it like you know put his quote in there as if like this is normal and I think that that just goes to show like how far we've come and we haven't yeah. come <laughs> um in a weird way because yeah. I and in some ways I feel like we're still fighting for the same things we're just maybe doing it um a little bit differently but then mm-hmm. I'm like this was 1992 right um that that actually wasn't that long ago. No. And I'm I'm not just saying that to like not make myself feel old as a 91 baby, but like that actually yeah. wasn't that long ago yeah. for people to still be believing in these biological differences and for it to be said by a police chief. I think that that that's just yeah. that takes it to another level for me personally. Um, and so whenever I get these nuggets, I try to melt them for all they're worth right. um, and, and figure out, okay, like, what is this true? Was this actually done? Where does this fit in the timeline of everything? Um, and I think that like, there's no, I don't think there's a specific point, um, but I think that just the natural progression of Ashley's inner monologue really gets me to, right? So yeah. I, like I stated at the beginning of this episode, her biggest, you know, challenge was, <laughs> So if we ditch, are we going to the pool or are we going to the beach? Right. Um, And then right as she's moving on, she's like, I can have impact. And I don't think that it was, I don't think, I don't think it was by coincidence that the book ends with her 18th birthday and they're at the beach. Um, Because I kind of feel like that that is a portal to like, okay, right. She's going through these changes. Now this is the next step. And then this is the next level within those changes. Now we know that, um, tangibly, one of the things that comes with turning 18 is being able to vote. And I think mm-hmm. that that is, that's an, that's an interesting concept to think about. Um, and then I think that the third thing that really, you know, I keep going back to is this character of LaShawn um, and not only his impact on Ashley, but like at the end of the book, um, which I just referred to him going into the ocean. Um, and if I'm, if I'm correct, I'm pretty sure that this was if not his first time, one of his first times stepping into the ocean, right? So living in the city and never, never really stepping into the ocean. I think that that, that like, that hits me. I'm like, you're right. You're so close within this vicinity, Mm -hmm. but then it, it warrants the question of, right. Who are these spaces and this access? Who is it available to? And who is it not available to? Well, and and it's, I feel like, you know, that example in particular is very eye-opening to, um, 
you know, what we don't see, what we think we know, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like as teenagers, especially they, they, and I work at a high school. Um, and so teenagers, especially they tend to think like, well, what do you mean? Like everybody has the same as me and better. And you know what I mean? Like they don't, they're not living in a mindset where they, it's possible for them to think that there's really people that are worse off than they are. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I think for her, especially, even though she knew these kids were from the city um, and she knew that they were on scholarship, I think there's so many things about him. I loved him as a character too. I think there were so many things about him and even just like his personality and his confidence and his, you know, ability to let things kind of just roll. Right. You know, just kind of gave her a different perspective on, on how she could be. Especially, yeah, when she like went to, right, she saw where he was living um, at at that scene where they go and and kind of check on things at his house. I think that like, again, it's that recognition of we're going to the same school, but the way that we live is drastically different. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really cool. Before you leave us today, do you want to give me, um, um, give our listeners some book recommendations? Sure. Um, I'm actually going to go with one that I recently finished. Um, it's a it's a work of nonfiction, and it's called The Address Book um, by Deidre Mask. Um, this book it breaks down um, what it like what it having an address means in different parts of the world. Cool. Um, how geographic location is impacted um, by race, by class, politics. It's I was not prepared for what this book provided. And so highly recommend that read. Super cool. Well, then I'll definitely tell our listeners that if you're on Instagram, you got to check out Kayla's page. It's book it queen. There we go. Yep. Book it queen. Yeah. And get on there and look at her reels. Good. Well, thank you again so much for doing this with me. This was so fun. It's always so fun to connect with people over books. For sure, for sure. Thank you so much for having me um, and discussing this this amazing book. I really appreciated being here today. I've got to say just one more time what a great guest Kayla was. If you liked what you heard today, please remember to comment, like, subscribe, and leave a review. Also, if you want to give us comments on today's episode, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I hope you have a great week reading and that you'll join us again next week as we highlight another lovely book.